the idea was this sort of passive business and laundromats were sold to us as a passive income stream. And basically what we were told is, Hey, you're going to show up once a week, collect quarters. And the rest of the time you're swimming around in your vault full of coins, like Scrooge McDuck and having a great time. That's not how it turned out for us. Yeah. Though. Welcome back investor to another episode of the passive income adventures where we have Jordan Barry, the laundromat King. He is with laundromatresource.com and he teaches people how to create cash flowing businesses from their laundromats. And I think that this is a really important key as part of passive income investing is to be able to generate more capital so that you have more money to invest. And I think that's a, a huge, huge misunderstanding in the passive income community. Jordan kind of gives it a new name as lower time commitment income instead of passive income, because there is a lot of upfront work that you have to do when you're investing in things. So like vet the deal, vet the operator and take some knowledge to do that. But at the same time, getting an active source of income that requires less time than your current active source of income or adding a side hustle where you can make good money, but not having to get a whole new career. Like you're not the one out there actually digging the ditches. You're setting up systems so that you can monitor those systems and then be generating in a, income off of that. And so just being smarter about having multiple streams of income that are fully passive, partially residual or active income streams, it will allow you to build this from multiple directions and be able to get the passive income lifestyle that you're really dreaming of. Because eventually, if you do it right, you will get to the point where you can retire off of your income. But at the same time, just being able to think about that ahead of time and what that's actually going to look like is what this show is all about. So we're going to start featuring some more cash flowing businesses, cash flow tactics from private lending to business management franchises so that you can get a full picture of what creating multiple streams of income for a passive income a lifestyle really looks like. So enjoy Jordan and talking about laundromats and how those can be either money pits or they can be really great sources of mostly passive income. All right, everybody, we have Jordan Berry today with us. And Jordan is going to be talking to us about his experience with finding air quotes, passive income through laundromat entrepreneurship. And so we talk a lot about passive income on this show, but I think it's really important to paint an accurate picture of what's going on with the process of achieving a passive income lifestyle. And I was telling you, Jordan, but before the show, I have a lot of of friends who say, oh, well, we're doing something cool. We're traveling full time or we're doing something like this and we need to make passive income. And so people will give them suggestions about what they can invest in and they'll be like, oh, but I don't have any money. And so I think that there's this huge disconnect between what it takes to generate passive income. You have to have some money. You have to start out. And so I would love to just jump in and tell us your story and tell us how you got into this and what your passive income journey, where that started and, and then get us up to what that looks like right now. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Emma. It's awesome. Thank you. You know, just getting to be on here and talk passive income. And we will frame laundromats correctly in <laughs> in the spectrum of what I would call, you know, activity to get your income. Cause I would not say it's hundred percent passive, but it does, it can tend towards the passive side. So mm -hmm. we'll get to that, I'm sure. Okay. So my my background, I was a pastor for 14, 15 years and got to a point had young kids and was married and, or am married, but had young kids at the point in time and just got to a point where it was like, Hey, it's time to do something different as a job. There's a lot of demands on time, but even more so on attention and emotional energy, just, you know, being a pastor. And so just time to, to make a change. And so really had no 
idea of where to go from there, right? And or what to do with my life. And so was looking around for things. I had a great idea. I was like, you know, we live in Southern California, owned a house there. I was like, why don't we rent out our house in Southern California? Take the money we have in the bank, go buy a condo on the beach in Hawaii. We'll live there and I don't know, sell jewelry or whatever on the beach until, you know, our kids are school age. And if we want to, we can come back to Southern California so our kids can go to school here if that's what we want to do. And my wife said, could do that or we could buy a laundromat. And so to this day, I do not own a condo on the beach in Hawaii and I do own laundromat. So, you know, the concept behind it was she, a family friend basically replaced his, you know, 80 hour a week tech job by buying a laundromat and, and ended up working five to 10 hours a week and, and replacing that income. And that idea sounded really good to both of us. And so that is the path that we went down, you know, towards, you know, we knew nothing about passive income. We knew nothing about business ownership. We knew nothing about investing, we knew nothing about real estate investing. We literally knew nothing about pretty much anything worth anything. Uh, <laughs> and that will factor into our experience in buying that first laundromat. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of how it came about. The idea was this sort of passive business and laundromats were sold to us as a passive income stream. And, you know, basically what we were told is, hey, you're going to show up, you know, once a week, collect quarters and, uh, you know, the rest of the time, you know, you're swimming around in your vault full of coins like Scrooge McDuck and uh, having a great time. That's not how it turned out for us. Yeah, <laughs> that's the dream that we got sold when we installed a laundromat in our apartment buildings. Because we weren't providing the machines, we hired a company to come and bring in the machines and there was supposed to be like 50-50 profit sharing and they would just give us the quarters or they would take all the quarters and give us a... No, we have not literally made a dime off of any of the laundry <laughs> in our apartment buildings. And it's a real problem. It's a real problem because the machines breaking or whatever, they take that out of our share, mm -hmm. those repair costs and things like that. So it ended up not really being even a very source, a very good source of other income, at least from the sense of an apartment building. And so it's, but I, one thing that you said, like really jumped on me yeah. is that working 80 hours a week for working like 10 hours a week. I think that's a really fair trade-off that most people would be really excited about. And that there's this view that passive income should be totally passive. You just put, you, you put your money in and you collect your checks. And if you have enough money invested, that is true. I know people who live like that, but unless you have $2 million invested, you're not going to be able to replace a good six-figure income without that. And so just being thinking about like how you're spending your time and if you're magnifying the time that you're spending by working less, but for the same amount of money or more money, and it frees you up to, to do more activities so you can generate that thing, that pile of cash that you need to have invested. That was really, that's really important what you hit on there. It's, it's how much time do you want to spend on something? Can you make more money in less time? And that's the seed of passive income. So just wanted to point that out. That's actually a very profound statement that you just said there. I don't know if that's the way it worked out, but you know, let's hear the rest of the story. <laughs> it's not the way it worked out. But I mean, <laughs> just to kind of piggyback on that too, like, you know, I think when people are looking for passive income, what I think what people are really searching for is freedom, right? The freedom mm -hmm. to spend their time how they want to. And, you know, I, I don't think it really matters how much money you have in the, you can have 30 million in the bank and you can't always spend your time on the things that you only want to spend your time on mm -hmm. and nothing else. Right. And so, you know, I, I think the, I think the goal, at least initially 
should be spend your time, number one, on the things that are going to help you give you more time to spend on what you want to spend it on. And, you know, on, and number two, spend your time, choose your pain, right? You can work the 80 hour week, you know, to make your six figure income, or you can buy a business. There's unique problems and headaches and stuff with owning a business or real estate or whatever, but either way, there's a little bit of a pain there, right? So you can choose your pain and, and choose the pain that number one, you can tolerate. And number two, gives you the most freedom now and in the future. So mm -hmm. I think it's. I think that's a goal, at least for me, you know, as I just continue to evolve in business is how do I get more freedom? Yeah. I mean, and people use that word a lot. That's the word that I hear come up over and over and over again. Freedom. Freedom from what? Sometimes they don't exactly know. And I used to use that word a lot too. Now I've replaced it with the word playful, but because I feel I like, like why do I want freedom at all? It's so I can spend more time being playful. But I'll give you an example. Like we're actually in Hawaii right now. We're in a condo on the beach in Kauai at a mastermind, a business mastermind. And so that in right now, right <laughs> after my story. Not cool, Emma. Not cool. So it's like, I really feel passionate about delivering passive income opportunities to investors. And it's a business. Like I run a business. It's a private equity fund. And we're here at a business mastermind. And I'm filming a podcast, which I feel like is a huge part of that platform and delivering that message. But because I'm on Hawaii time, I had to get up super early in the morning to be able to record this episode. And I feel like, dude, I want to get up early in the morning to record the episode. No, but I really feel passionate about delivering good quality podcast content out to investors and people seeking a, a different kind of a lifestyle. And so you put up with the getting up early in the morning because you're in a condo on the beach in Hawaii doing something that you really believe in. And I think that if we kind of frame how art we're going to live, you put up with the stuff that's not your favorite because you feel so passionate about the stuff that you're doing. So that's how I rationalize what I'm doing. I love that. And, you know, we'll, we'll make sure we deliver here, despite yes. the fact that you rubbed it in my face, that you are <laughs> in the condo, the, probably the one I was trying to buy. If we're um, honest, that was probably the exact I'm one. a little sister, so I'm really good at that. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay. So getting back into it. So we ended up buying this laundromat and uh, our first one. And, uh, you know, again, the goal was less time with money coming in. And, uh, you know, the broker who sold us a laundromat gave us a pro forma and the pro forma was like really nice. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I want to say it, it basically said, Hey, you're going to make five to six grand net income after, even after loan payments and stuff a month. And we ended up losing couple grand a month for a couple of years. Wow. So it was a real big punch in the gut. So not only was I not making money, but I was spending a whole lot of time trying to figure out what I was doing wrong and trying to, you know, turn the business around and desperately looking for help and not finding any mm -hmm. <laughs> anywhere, you know, just trying to, you know, and there's a stat that floats around. I, to this day, I don't know exactly where it comes from, but, you know, the stats that laundromats have a 95% success rate. And while I do think that laundromats have an extremely high success rate, especially compared to other businesses, 95 seems, I don't know, a little high to me, but yeah. I just, I spent a whole lot of time just like standing there days, like thinking, how am I in the 5% that business <laughs> out? Like that does not fit with my self-identity, you know, and how I see myself. And so, so it did not go, it did not go well. I was not making income, let alone passive income. And I was not, it was not passive by any stretch of the imagination. It was pretty much the exact opposite of that. So that was a rough, 
a rough entry point into the business. So there's a I, lot to unpack there. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know if you want to like verbally slap me. I was just going to pause so you no, can just laugh no. at me or something like that. No, because <laughs> we've, when we, when my fuzz, when we were first thinking about leaving the job, like quitting both W2s, like replacing both spouses income. I know a right. lot of people who talk about how I've replaced my income through real estate investing or whatever. But then when you talk about that, it's like, oh, my spouse still has a W-2. Well, so I, my spouse had a W-2 the first five years of doing this. And the goal, I never had a job. I've always been an entrepreneur, but I've usually been doing like little cottage businesses that hardly make any money, like mm -hmm. photography or something. And I never wanted to work more than part-time. And so looking at scaling that meant I was going to be running a full-time business and ha handling staff and sending out other photographers or whatever. And I just didn't really want to run the business. I want to work part-time. And so when he finally was like, Hey, I think maybe we can afford that I can leave my job. That was the huge that was the huge step for us. And what we initially started doing is exactly what you did. Like we are going to need to generate some active income because we don't have enough cash to just spin off passive income the rest of our lives. And we knew that we could head that direction because we had enough equity in our properties that eventually we could shift it all over to things that were cash flowing. But what we found when we were looking at franchises and small business car washes, laundromats, trucking companies, this kind of stuff that it was just all glitzy, sparkly, passive income, passive income, passive income. But then when we started interviewing people who'd actually bought those franchises or people who'd actually started a trucking company with this management service or whatever, it the stories just didn't mesh up. They didn't mesh up. And we realized, okay, we need to get our ourselves square with the idea of working a business. And if we can make it part-time that, that does well, like that's best case scenario here. And it was really difficult for us to kind of face face that, that we needed to generate more income, even though we, we could get by right with him leaving his job. It, it wasn't, it's kind of like the 4% rule in the stock market. If you live off of more than 4%, you're going to run out of money. And so that's kind of what we felt like, like how long can we do this living off what we need to be able to maintain our lifestyle before the money starts to run out. And so always looking around for ways of having multiple streams of income is really where we landed on. It's like, putting some here, putting some there, as many of those streams as passive as possible, but knowing that there need to be a few active streams and there might be a few sacrifice years um, and finding something that you love doing. It doesn't feel like work when you're really passionate about it. So anyway, that's when our experience is that people trying to sell us the passive income dream. It just didn't really sound like that. And so readjusting our expectations was really important. I feel you. I hear you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think that that is true. And you know, one of the things you know we talked about, you know, too, is you know, unless you're coming in with a big pile of money, like, you know, you probably heard, you know, you probably heard it on other podcasts and stuff like that, right? You need time, you need knowledge, and you need money, right? And if mm -hmm. you're short on any of those, you either got to find somebody else who has you know, whatever you're short on, or you've got to compensate with the other, right? So if you're short on yeah. time, you got to have a lot more money mm -hmm. and knowledge to be able to make up for not having time and, and vice versa on the money too. If you're short on money, at least initially, you're going to have to put a lot more time, effort, energy, and knowledge in learning in order to sort of make up for that passive, you know, side. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. It's like the three stool, the three legged stool where yeah. if any one of those, you're trying to balance it, but it's never going to, it's never really going to balance. You're always going to have to be adjusting one leg or the other. So I feel like for us, we have enough money and that we know that if we grow, that we'll have the time, we'll kick in and kind of fill in the rest. But in the meantime, while we're waiting for that to grow, cash flow 
yeah, we're having to focus on some of the other things as well. And so keeping that balance is really important. And it's a big part of the passive income lifestyle. It's usually not like 100% passive income. If you can get 70, 80, 90%, like that's pretty good. And then let time fill in the rest on the portfolio. And something else that I wanted to talk about too was I want to kind of catch up to where you are now that now you teach other people how to do this so that they're not kind of so stuck in that disillusionment phase of wondering like, what am I doing wrong? Because this was supposed to be easy and passive. And where you succeed at where a lot of larger things fail is just more on the cash flow side. Like businesses cash flow, sometimes properties do not. Like think about like living in your house. You look on Zillow, you're like, oh, my house is worth so much more than it used to be. And my net worth is so much higher. But does it really make you wealthy? Like, can you really quit your job because your house appreciated? Like you can't take equity to the grocery store. So you're looking for something cash flows. And I think that's something that your business does very well. And kind of helping people realize like, this is this could be a cash flow play. So tell us more about what that looks like as far as what you're working on now, how you're helping people, like how you got over those pitfalls and yeah, yeah. how we can be successful in, in this type of a life. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, thinking about from where I came from, where I was losing money for a couple of years and now I'm on your podcast saying, Hey, you guys should really consider buying a laundromat <laughs> right after that horror story. I made it look so great. Huh? Yeah. It's, I'm really selling it over here. <laughs> right. However, you know, I come to find out that this, you know, my particular situation, I made a whole lot of mistakes, right? A whole lot of mistakes. Like I said, I was very naive. I didn't know almost anything. And there really wasn't a lot out there. There wasn't a lot online, a lot of mm-hmm. resources, a lot of information out there to really help me. And there was no platform to help me connect with other people in the industry to really help me. Right. And so that's where Laundromat Resource, which is the platform that I run, it, you know, it started with, Hey, I have now, after I've kind of dug myself out of this hole that I've been in and it was very painful and time consuming, <laughs> not passive. And, you know, I have now learned some very expensive lessons. Right. And I just, you know, after I had started connecting with people in the industry, I'd found out that there were other people who came in, you know, being sold, Hey, this is passive. You just got to collect quarters once a week and that's it. And, you know, I had learned some very expensive lessons. So I was like, look, nobody should ever have to learn the lessons I learned the way that I learned them. Right. So I started just writing down in a little blog, you know, some of the things that I had learned, like how to value a laundromat, how to you know, what to look out for in the due diligence process, you know, they're cash businesses, so they can be very difficult to verify income and expenses and all that stuff. Right. And to know the trajectory that this laundromat is on. And so I started writing these down and then I started making some YouTube videos. And then I was like, you know what, if I really want to help people run this business the right way, I should be talking to people who are killing it in this business. Right. So that's where the laundromat resource podcast came out. Now it's like a, it's a, very popular, like surprisingly popular podcast for a laundromat podcast, right? <laughs> but I talk to owners all the time who are, and I ask them specific questions like, you know, what kind of numbers are you doing? How much does it cost to do laundry at your facility? You know, how many, we use our KPI, our key performance indicator in our industry right now, a little bit crude, but it's turns per day, which is how many, on average, how many times is it each machine used every day, right? And so asking these very specific questions and you know, what's your secret sauce? What's working really well that other people could utilize in their laundromats? What do people who uh, are getting into this business, what do they need to know, you know, before they get into this business, right? And so that's, you know, that's where I'm at. And the reason that I did that is because the dream of 
maybe not passive income, but the dream of income coming in that's not tied to how much time you put in is it's you can make that a reality with laundromats, right? And one of the strong, uh, you know, draws of laundromats is that they are a great cash flowing business provided you buy them correctly. And just to kind of give you some numbers on average, and you know, I know I I'm a product of all the real estate investing podcasts and stuff. You you know, replace your income with real estate, and I got very excited about that until I started doing the math on how many doors I'd need to own to actually replace my very modest at the time income. And it was a lot of doors. And I was like, how am I ever going to do that? And one of the things that I say, and I'm a real estate investor, I own commercial and residential rentals and, you know, and I love real estate investing. However, the average real estate deal cannot touch the average laundromat deal when it comes to cash flow, right? And so for a laundromat, just to give you some numbers, you know, the average sort of base hit deal is a 20 to 25% return on your investment. And that's before adding leverage, before a loan, right? And if you use a loan, those returns can go up, you know, from there. So it's not unheard of for even just an average deal to return 33, 50 plus percent return on your money, you know, as long again, as you buy it correctly. And so, I mean, I think, and I think that's the dream, right? Is, you know, if your goal is leave your W2, leave your nine to five job, right? Or if your goal is financial freedom, well, what that means is you need cash flow. And if you look at like an average real estate deal, maybe you're doing eight or 10%. If you're like really like searching for it right now, you know, return on your money. Well, you can see how you're going to get that cash flow much, much quicker if you buy something like a laundromat and you're getting 20 to 25%, again, these are just base hit average deals, no value add or anything. You can see how your return, your path to financial freedom is going to be much shorter when you're getting those kind of returns there. I agree. I feel like you're always going to make more money on the thing that you're actively managing. So I, I have to, I always have to be careful. I don't want to turn the, the show into like the active income show, but I think it's really important to paint the picture that for the passive income lifestyle, there has to be some income, <laughs> first of all. And if you want it to be passive, that's generated by investing money. And so where are you going to get the money? I, I know people will call me and they'll say, oh, I want to get more passive income and spend more time with my family by getting into commercial real estate. And sometimes it's just not a good fit because getting into commercial real estate is anything other than a passive investor is a new job. It's kind of like buying a laundromat, <laughs> an apartment business that doesn't cash flow as well as a laundromat. And so they think it's like this shortcut to getting passive income. And it's just really, it just really isn't. If they really are good at something and they have a, a specialized skill that they're doing in tech or medicine or something like that, where they're making good money at it, I'm like just do more of that or do a side hustle of that instead of trying to learn this entirely new business. It's like put your money in passively and then just do more of what you're great at to generate income until you get to the point where the passive income really means that you don't have to work anymore. And what you said there is like the expensive lessons that you learned, like me learning that lesson when I got first got into commercial real estate would have gone a long way, right? I would have come into it with different expectations. I still would have done it because I needed the cash flow. I needed the equity and I needed the thing. But I feel like what you just said there is what every smart person does when they first start down a road, especially when it's a kind of a weird road. And and I'll use the example when we first started homeschooling. We don't homeschool in like the traditional way with like books and mommy's using a whiteboard and all that. And 
and pull it out. We just live life and we kind of tie the lessons in as we go along. It's very organic and it's very spontaneous and it's weird. And so (laughs) when people first found out about it, they were so worried that we were going to mess our kids up. And so I just started spending time with other people who were homeschooling in that style that was really speaking to me. And I just watched what they did and I would ask them questions and they were so excited to just talk to me and teach me and people had written books about it. And now there are Facebook groups and YouTube channels on it. And so people who think that it's weird and they're scared for us, they don't know all of these other people that I know. They don't know all of the things that I've read and learned and experimented with and tried. They just think that I'm out there trailblazing this weird lifestyle. And I feel like, no, I wouldn't do that with my kids. I'm being very intentional about this. It's just they don't see all of that in the background. So when you first started looking for laundromat resources, like what am I doing wrong here? And there wasn't anything. And so you put a resource out there. And the reason that laundromats have such a reputation in the passive income world is because a lot of them do really well and they do generate a lot of mostly passive cash flow. And so you putting yourselves out there and helping to set people up for success is the way that people should be looking at things when there's something that they're going to do. Don't believe what the sales guy's telling you. Like go out and talk to the real people. Talk to people like you who are making it work. Just like you said on your podcast, that's how you get things done. So can you tell us a little bit more about like the secrets that you learned, the lessons that you learned and how you teach other people now to avoid some of those same pitfalls so that they can get mostly passed with cash flow or at least generating enough extra income that they can diversify their income streams into some of the investments that you were talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, you're saying so much good stuff. I like want to comment on everything that you're saying, but just, I mean, I think the homeschool example is a great example. Cause like you said, it's a little bit weird. Right. And, you know, pretty much, you know, one of the questions I ask on my podcast all the time is like, how did you get, like, nobody's really sitting around dreaming of owning a laundromat with yeah. your kid. Right. <laughs> like, how did you, how did you wind up here in life? Like, what, what has life done to you to get you here? Yeah. Uh, right. It's cause it's weird. Right. And you know, when we were buying our first laundromat, people were like, uh, I don't know, man, that's, I've heard, you know, yada, yada, yada. Repairs can, you know, really just make it, you know, not a profitable business or, you know, or you don't know anything about business. And, you know, to this day, it still stings a little that because of the specific laundromat we bought, a lot of those people were actually right, yeah. <laughs> but they didn't know why they were right. And they didn't know actually what they were talking about, but they just happened to be right, which still stings a little no. bit, to be honest. But, you know, I mean, I think, you know, getting around people who have similar goals is huge, right? And who have similar mindsets is huge. And I think that that is actually step one towards passive income or at least towards more freedom in your life, right? If you're trying to leave that nine to five, that's weird. Like not that many people do that. There's a lot of talk about that online, but But it's weird to do. Actually doing it is it's weird, right? And so you've got to get around other people who have done it and who are doing it, right? And the same thing with like laundromats, right? That's, I mean, a big part of laundromat resource now is the community that it's built. We have a community over there. And the the reason for it is because it's weird. And not that many people are trying to buy laundromats, you know, relatively speaking. And, you know, we need to get together and not that many people own laundromats and we need to get together and help each other. So, I mean, I thought that was a really great example. And I think, you know, if you're goal is to, you know, do something different than the norm. You've got to get around other people. You got to get a tribe. Don't be a trailblazer on weird stuff. There are other people who have done it. And so it doesn't feel so weird and it doesn't feel trailblazing when you find other people that are succeeding at what it is that you want to do. And sometimes being around people who are not doing it well 
is also very beneficial because you can see some like the, the students, right, that are struggling and you're learning from their struggles at the same time you're also learning from the, the teacher. And so just being in a network of people teaching people learning is it's always been how I've been able to just go off. If I feel like I need something, I'm open to lots of different pathways and trying to find the best one and then really commit to that and make it work. It's always, always about the other people in the network. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to mistakes, I mean, I'm sort of a lone wolfer at heart, right? I'm a trailblazer at heart. <laughs> and that is a mistake, especially, you know, getting into something where the stakes are high, you mm -hmm. know, like you're buying a business, you're buying a real estate property or something like that. The stakes are high. And, you know, one of the big mistakes was, and, you know, a lot of my mistakes will probably sound really obvious and dumb to most of you because you're much more sophisticated than I was early on. I'm sure everybody listening to this is far beyond where I was when I started. But, you know, I mean, one of the big mistakes was I relied solely on the person who stood to make money from me buying a deal, the broker, mm -hmm. right? But aside from the seller, but the, yeah. you know, the broker only makes money when a deal is sold. And mm -hmm. I pretty much relied almost entirely on it. Like I had conversations with that family friend, but he just happened to buy a really good one the first time around. So he didn't really oh. learn any lessons per se, other than, Hey, this business is awesome. And I was yeah. like, Oh, all right. That sounds good all the confirmation I need, right? So I relied solely on that broker and it just turns out that that broker did not have my best interests in mind. And what? that specific broker actually has a reputation in this industry. Really? It, I find out later, obviously. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the big lessons is either be a part of a community or at least have somebody who understands the investment that you're making who can walk you through, whether it's real estate, a specific real estate deal or buying a laundromat or whatever. Like if I had had 15 minutes with myself now, back then, or somebody like me, it would have saved me six figures, mm -hmm. right? Of, of income that I lost. And so, you know, don't lone wolf it. That's a huge lesson, right? The other thing that kind of comes into play that we've been sort of alluding to is one thing I see people doing wrong in this business a lot is be coming into it undercapitalized, right? Mm -hmm. And huge in my industry as well. That's the yeah. Well, one not knowing your numbers and then undercap is are probably the biggest deal killers. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's a lot. Of, if you've done any research on laundromats, then you will probably have come across the hordes of videos about free laundromats. And while technically <laughs> there are sort of such a thing, nothing is free, right? <laughs> yeah. And so. What I see happen a lot of times is people who really don't have any money at all trying to get into this business and, you know, with very little or no money mm -hmm. and it's possible. I, I want to put that out there right now. Like it's possible to do that. You can get into it with very little and sometimes rarely, but sometimes even no money. Mm -hmm. However, that is the riskiest way to get into this business. You know, and that 95% success rate does not hold true at that end of the spectrum okay. over there. And so, but again, it's possible, right? And it's that whole going back to the, the, the stool, right? The time, money, knowledge, you're going to, if you're not coming in with any money or very much money at all, you're going to be very heavy on the time and knowledge side of things. You're going to need to be in order to be successful. So this is not at least going to start off as a passive income source for you that way. Mm -hmm. um, capitalize is, is 
a huge problem, you know, and then there's like nuances, like not understanding how to do due diligence on a laundromat. And again, there are cash businesses and this business is pretty notorious for money people hiding income. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, or even, you know, less nefariously, just really bad bookkeeping or yes. sometimes just no bookkeeping, right? Not because they're trying to hide money just because they just never kept books or they don't know how or whatever. Yep. I've literally had P&Ls handed to me handwritten on napkins. Yeah, me uh, too, for apartment buildings. Yeah, handwritten. Yes. It's crazy, but that happens, right? And so when, when you run into an investment like that, you've really got to know how to assess the performance mm -hmm. of that business in order to, number one, make sure you don't overpay, but then Number two, you got to know what you're walking into before you walk into that deal, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, not understanding that or not working with somebody whose income doesn't depend on you buying the deal, who understands that, right? Who can help you walk through that stuff and who can tell you, you need to walk away from a deal, mm -hmm. you know, before. So like a consultant or another owner or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then another place where you can get into a lot of trouble is with a lease for a laundromat. A lease is the most important thing, pretty mm -hmm. much, because it's, you know, it's a marriage. It's, and for laundromats, you need a long-term lease. We're talking, you know, 15, 20, 25 plus years sometimes. And so that's commitment. You've, you've got to make sure that that lease is good. And, you know, if you get a bad lease, that's a deal killer oh. right there. Yeah. Oh, okay. That I, yeah. I want to comment on pretty much everything <laughs> that you said there. There's, there are so many good lessons in that. I think just in real estate, I don't know if they say this in your industry too, but they say a lot of times like don't get emotionally attached to a deal. Mm -hmm. And you see it happen again and again and again. People are excited about it. They're excited about the money it's going to split spin off. They're excited about the way that they're going to be able to spend their time running this business. They're excited about a lot of things and they get emotionally attached to it and it ends up being a bad deal. And so the trick is that I've seen again and again and again, how to get unemotionally attached from a deal is you better know your numbers. Mm -hmm. If you have a deal that you are emotionally attached to and the numbers are telling you it's a bad deal, suddenly it just don't feel as emotionally attached to it anymore. But people don't know how to run their numbers and they won't learn. Business is a finance activity. You have to understand balance sheets, P&Ls, all of that. You have to understand bookkeeping. Or you are going to get yourself into deals because you're emotionally attached to them and not because you've done the numbers. And anytime people say, oh, I bought it, I was emotionally attached. Don't buy an emotionally attached deal. I think that the, what they're trying to say is just learn to run your numbers. And then this, the second thing that you said there, which is just as important, is have an emergency fund for your business. It's just like having an emergency fund for your house. Like this is totally Dave Ramsey 101, emergency fund for your business because it will come knocking. I have never been in a project where I've been one of the general or managing partners that have not had a general partner capital call. What we're trying to do is avoid a capital call to the limited partners, the investors. And by so doing, we need to be well capitalized in our team so that we can pick up those unexpected expenses and that we're not passing those down to our limited partners, which is kind of a reputation deal killer. So have an emergency fund, know your numbers, know your numbers, know your numbers. How many more times can we say it? So. How can people know their numbers on a laundromat? I don't know how I would evaluate a laundromat. Yeah. Well, I can tell you right now, actually, real high level on, I mean, really, we need, sorry, we need four, four numbers to 
get a ballpark of the value of the laundromat and just real quick, you know what they are. So number one is the net operating income. So that's your income minus expenses before loan payments, right? And that is the cornerstone of the value of a laundromat. And if you're familiar with commercial real estate, actually valuing a business is very similar to that. And you know, the question then is, okay, if we have the net operating income, how do we translate that into a value of, you know, the laundromat? Well, if it's commercial real estate, we apply a cap rate in a laundromat. We basically do the same thing, but we, for some reason, invert it and it's a multiple, right? Oh, but the, yes. The multiple is just the inverse of the cap rate, right? So, so for laundromats in the past, it's been the typical multiple has been about three and a half to five. What we've seen lately as demand has increased for laundromats and supply actually has shrunken a little bit, the multiple has actually shifted up a little bit. So about four to five and a half times multiple mm -hmm. is the average, but that can still be a pretty big range of value, right? So the other three numbers you need to determine where on that spectrum, the multiple is going to lie is number one, the age of the equipment. You got to know how the equipment is obviously newer equipment, more valuable. So higher multiple, older equipment, less valuable, lower multiple. The rent amount, how much rent your gross rent is, including any common area maintenance or triple net expenses. And the way you know if that's a good rent amount or not is as a percentage of the total income. And about you know, sort of the magic number is around that 25% of the gross income for the rent amount. So if you got $10,000 a month coming in, you want to be around 2500 and obviously less than that's even better but around that 2500 uh, dollar a month for rent amount and then the third number you need to determine the multiple is the number of years left on the lease and again for a laundromat a long lease is better because you can't really move it and if rent doubles or the landlord decides they're not going to renew your lease at the end of the lease then you're in, a, you're in a tough spot. You really don't have a business if they're not going to renew it. And you're in a tough spot if they double your, your rent amount. So, so that's high level overview of how you can value a laundromat. If you're looking for a little bit more, I've got a free course that you can, you know, go check out at laundromatresource.com. And the free course is how to buy a laundromat. And it, it'll go over, it's three lessons. It's like 20 minutes each. It'll go over you know, number one is lesson one is how to buy or how to find a laundromat. Number two is how to value goes into more details on that valuation. And then number three is that due diligence side of things there too. So, so that free course is there. And if you are actually getting serious about actually wanting to buy a laundromat, there's a full comprehensive course that includes pretty much everything you need to know. This is based on my personal experience as a laundromat owner, as a broker of laundromats, as a consultant. I've gone over thousands of deals, hundreds of consulting calls and podcast hosts where I've talked with hundreds of laundromat owners. Also, all this information is in there, but also we've got a bunch of tools and resources to kind of help you. And, you know, if you're interested in that, check out laundromatresource.com slash, I don't know, which we, we got to give you your own level. Uh, how about laundromatresource.com slash adventures? There you go. Uh, and you can go check out the course. Awesome. That, that way he knows where you found it. And that really right. helped us from a business standpoint for, for both sides. So, all right. So what you just said there, do you now own some of your own 
building so you're no longer leasing space from the evil landlord because me i want to be the evil landlord when i'm hearing yes. you talk i'm like how do i own that triple net building right <laughs> so do you recommend that people who are running the business once they have a good feel for it and they're profitable at what point do you start buying your own buildings i mean i think if you have the opportunity and you can do it i mean i think day one hmm. you know again have somebody who's done it before and answer mm -hmm. your question yes i have you know, my own buildings. I also lease, you know, for a laundromat, a lot of people will say, Hey, I don't think that I will ever buy a laundromat unless there's the real estate. Well, a lot of times it's not feasible and laundromats, they're cash flow business. So I don't have any problem with leasing the space, you know, provided everything, you know, all the numbers pencil out and everything. I don't have any problem with that because it's a cash flow business and you can cash flow with, you know, with a lease, right? But you have the opportunity if you can get the real estate to actually accelerate your wealth and you can do it, you know, just by moving around some money. And, you know, the basic concept is if you can buy the real estate and the laundromat, put them in two different entities, create a lease between the two. And what you want to do, as long as the laundromat can support it, charge that laundromat top of the market rent, right? Charge it as much as you can't get crazy with it, right? And just throw out a number that nobody else, but top of the market rent. And, you know, if you, if again, if the laundromat can support it, make it a triple net lease. So the laundromat is paying all the expenses for that property. If there's other tenants, put a plan in place to get them on a triple net lease if they're not on one either. And what that does is it's going to actually decrease the value of your laundromat a little bit. You're going to lose a little bit of equity because your expenses are going to be higher, mm -hmm. right? So that net income will be slower or, or lower. However, the, the, equity in the real estate is going to grow significantly faster mm -hmm. than the equity in the laundromat will decrease. And so you're actually going to gain a whole lot of equity there. And all you're doing is you're moving money from your business to your property. And so it's a great way to number one, capitalize on the cash flow of a laundromat. Number two, to capitalize on uh, forced appreciation and commercial property. And then number three, both laundromats and real estate have great tax advantages to them. Yes. So you're actually paying less in taxes while you're doing it. Excuse me. Yeah. The, the important key that you just said there was your laundromat business or your car wash business or whatever it is, is a different business than your real estate business. And I hear this again and again from cash flow business operators who also own some sort of a real estate component that you have to run them as two different businesses, two different books, basically. And that the business is often just leasing the space from the real estate business, even though the same person owns both businesses. And that really helps you to keep track of your valuations and be able to use different business approaches and different strategies with each of these, these income sources, because it's not the same thing. It's kind of like we learned the hard way when we were working for a company that was a consulting company. But in the course of consulting, occasionally they would develop something kind of cool, like a product, and they wouldn't spin the product off into its own business. They would hold those products in the company and they were trying to run a product company and a consulting company or multi-product company and a consultant company. And one was kind of eating the other. One business was supporting the other. And it was really difficult to get a clear picture on which product lines were doing well because they had too much. They're trying to have a single focus and you really can't. It's better just to split them into separate businesses. And so very, very good advice there, especially from a real estate standpoint, like I would run my business like a real estate business if you were leasing my space. So if I'm leasing my own space, why wouldn't I do it the same way? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, 
you know, I, what I love about laundromats is the cash flow, right? And again, if your goal is, you know, freedom from the nine to five, financial freedom, anything like that, or just more time with your family or more time to focus on whatever it is that you want to do, you know, laundromats are great for that. If you're looking for uh, long-term wealth, equity, generational wealth, that kind of thing, real estate is great for that. And so when you marry the two together, it's like a, it's like a super generator. <laughs> like you just, yeah. you supercharge your wealth growth that way. Cause you're getting both plus the tax advantages of both. And that way you're hanging on to more of your money that way. Yeah. We talk about multiple streams of income all the time. And I think this is a really great example of how those streams of income can actually play nicely because sometimes you'll hear like, focus on one thing, do the one thing, do the one thing, but then you have to have multiple streams of income. You can only be an expert at one thing, but you have to have multiple streams of income. And I just mm. don't think that those concepts often go together very well. But when you are running a business that is leasing your real estate, like you said, it's like a supercharged way of being able to have multiple streams of income all with one set of activities. And so focusing on passive income and, and being able to take more adventures on passive income is really a factor of how many different streams of income can you get and how much you can free up your time because some are going to be more active than others and being able to balance that. And it looks like you've done a really great job of being able to bring together the worlds of different types of investing and being able to think more intentionally about how you're spending your time. Because I, I don't know if they did business in pastor school. If they no, cover that, no. they should because running they a group is like a business. <laughs> it is. It's like it not is. covering business in the optometry school. And then you have to yeah. go start a practice, which is a business. And, and people just don't have a lot of times the skills that they need. And they're learning it. They're learning it on the fly because it's just not really taught in the trade that people are going into. And so being able to come out of that and say, hey, I learned about business. I'm a successful entrepreneur. And now I want to pay it forward because that same heart of a pastor that you had that made you go into that field, that vocation in the first place is the same thing that is now driving you to help others because you have seen how much it's helped you in your own life, almost that evangelism spirit. And I think that that's really important. I, I, I want to point this out to the listener. That is what you are looking for when you are looking for a teacher. You are not looking for somebody who is going to be like the broker making money and not really thinking about your best interest. If they're thinking about your best interest, everybody's going to come away with a win everybody's going to walk away with the win. And it's in our best interest when we're working with our investors or with our students or whatever to be able to, be able to provide great support with teaching that's a win-win-win situation. And so you really are embodying that in what you're doing. So I really appreciate you coming on the show and just sharing that with us. But before we wrap up, I want to hear about what you have coming up, like your own passive income dreams at the beginning, what you were sold versus what the reality was. But now that you've been doing it a while, you mm -hmm. can kind of start reevaluating that. What can life actually look like? So can you tell us a little bit about your next passive income adventure or things that you are working on for your future? Yeah. You know what is interesting about, you know, I guess passive income or even just, you know, lower time commitment income, you know, with a laundromat, Ooh, you know, five like to 10 term. hours a week, which is what we're dealing with here. And so, what I like about it is that it gives you space to think about how you actually really want to spend your time, you know? And one of the conclusions I've drawn for myself is that I don't like doing nothing. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, I think a lot of people, their dream is to do nothing. Can't do nothing. And that's fine for like a little bit. Right. And even minutes. like the most introverted person out there, I'm very extroverted, but even the most 
introverted person out there, you can only do nothing for so long. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's less about how do I do less stuff? And it's more about how do I do more of what I want to do? Yes. And so for me, I've sort of got, I guess, a few different fronts of that, right? There's the laundromat front. And what I love about laundromats, one thing I really love about laundromats, besides like the cash flow and the tax advantages and you know all that stuff, is that laundromats are like one of the last community gathering places out Ooh. there for a lot of communities. And so you have an opportunity to actually make an impact in a community. You have an opportunity to communicate value to a community mate. And a lot of times, you know, laundromats are in what I would consider like undervalued communities a lot mm -hmm. of times, right? Rougher neighborhoods, lower income places. And unfortunately, our industry has a pretty bad reputation of, you know, dingy, dark, you know, cockroaches, have the yep. machines working, right? We call them zombie mats oh, boy. in our industry. And what I feel like that having a zombie mat communicates to a community, you're not worth my time and effort and investment in your community. And so I love the fact that running a good laundromat actually communicates the exact opposite to community, right? Like you're valuable, you're worth investing in, you you know, deserve to have a, a nice, clean, safe place to do your laundry, to gather together. And so for me on that front, you know, I am interested in sort of in scaling my own kind of personal portfolio, but I think that's going to look a little bit different for me, for me now than it did initially, where I would like to, you know, have somebody helping with the operations. I don't necessarily want to be, you know, in the stores yeah. uh, constantly, but I want to have somebody, you know, doing operations. So scaling up there, but then on the other side of it, it's, you know, through laundromat resource, I want to, I want to be able to help other people do the same thing for other communities. Right. And so my goal initially was like, Hey, my goal is to help you achieve financial freedom and through laundromats, right? And that's still true, but my vision of what that means has grown a lot more. And it's, hey, I want to help transform communities across our nation, across the world, really, through helping you run a good business that is going to communicate that value to the community and also is, you know, can help you achieve financial freedom at the same time, right? And so on, on those fronts, those are sort of the plans going forward to scale up that portfolio, actually scaling down my portfolio in order to set it up differently so that mm -hmm. I can scale it up. And then, you know, and then growing laundromat resource in that community over there. I love just, you know, positive vibes and I love seeing everybody help each other out. I'm not trying to be like the answer guy in this industry. I'm trying to be the, Hey, let's get together guy and let's connect each other with the tools, resources, people that can help you succeed in your business guy. So I love, you know, that side of things, you know, and then I've got, you know, health goals on my side where you know, in the future, right. And it's it, being able to have the, and family goals, you know, stuff like that, being able to have the space to think about these things, you know, I'm training for an Ironman right now and the I'm Hawaii Ironman. Uh, the Kona one, I got to qualify for that one, man. Yeah, that would be the dream. And then I'd buy a condo while I'm out there. Or yep, yep. Don't forget about the condo. Still on the bucket list. So yeah. yeah. So, you know, having that space is awesome. Not to do nothing, but to figure out what it is I want to do and how I want to spend my time. And it's, you know, helping. And it's also, you know, spending time with family and taking care of my health and mm -hmm. doing things that 
you know, bring joy and bring life to me and my family and friends instead of slaving away. And that I think should be the goal, right? I think, you know, I'm all for the passive income, but I'm for passive income in order to live, not in order to be, you know, just sitting around doing nothing, right? I want to live a full life. And I think that yeah. that's what passive income or, you know, less time commitment income can, can give you. Let's trademark that less time commitment income because I, <laughs> I think that's much more of an accurate statement. So what, what you're describing here, it almost gives me chills because I feel like that once I got past the survive, like survive is your, your nine to five, your paycheck, you're just doing well to have an emergency fund and pay your mortgage, right? Once you get past that, you go into the thrive phase where you're able to start maybe up in your lifestyle a little bit and doing some of those things that could be seen as kind of selfish in this world. Like, how do I do nothing? How do I sit on more beaches? And, and then you get bored and you start thinking, okay, how can I serve? survive, thrive, serve. And what I've noticed is the more people that I help start to get that vision that they can move beyond just survive and thrive, they can move beyond that to serve. They start getting huge ideas about what they're going to do, how they're going to build the communities, this nonprofits that they're going to start. And I, I get so much from helping people achieve financial freedom so that they can start building that. It's almost like this philanthropy army and community builders that we are creating. And, and that it really is what recently is getting me out of bed in the morning, other than an early podcast recording, to be able to get up and, and the stay. beach in Hawaii. Yeah, it's a rough life. Yeah. So I, we've made a lot of sacrifices to get to this point. And, and on social media, they only see that I'm on a beach in Hawaii and they don't see the sacrifice even just to be mm -hmm. here at all and, and those kinds of things. But just being able to help people get to that point where they can start thinking about what can I do for other people and this whole business mastermind that I'm at, that's what we're talking about. One of the things that we're spending a lot of time on is philanthropy and helping others and how to do well so that you can do good. And I feel like that is really what fires up most of my entrepreneur friends, most of the people who are interested in this kind of lifestyle. It's not about the beach doing nothing. Like you said, that's fun for like 10 minutes. And then you're like, okay. And then you want to get on your phone or you want to go network, meet somebody or go like yesterday, we went on this big hike out to the point and it was really difficult. And I was like, I'm in Hawaii and this is what I'm doing. <laughs> because we wanted to because it looked interesting and it looked fun like what you said it's about living life it's not about doing nothing it's about having more control over how you spend your time and most people once they start to hit this the stride start thinking about how they can build that community and so your message there is really beautiful and it does really reflect a lot about you personally because you are putting your money where your mouth is like literally so appreciate you sharing that with us it's a beautiful and it really shows that your priorities are straight because you're talking about your family, your health and your community, which is, that's what life's all about, right? That's what life's about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I appreciate you saying that. And, uh, you know, it's such a, you know, it's just, it's such a blessing to be able to do that and even think that way. Right. I think yeah. I, I think a lot of people can't even like fathom thinking that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, that's where sort of that passive income or less time commitment income comes in. Right. And, you know, so whether you're investing with Emma in one of her projects, which you should be doing, especially if you're <laughs> one of those high income earners, who's not trying to leave your nine to five, you love it. Yep. Right. And you don't really want to kick in another 10 or so hours a week to run something like a laundromat, but you want that cash flow. Like that is an awesome option to you know, throw in with somebody who also is genuine and who is trying to connect people and build people up and help them, 
you know, achieve their goals and who knows what they're doing, right? So whether you're doing it that way, or you're buying something like a laundromat or a real estate investment for yourself, you know, that's, you know, it takes time, but those are the actions that you take that stack up on each other mm-hmm. that lead to the space to be able to think like that, right? Like the yeah. doing well to do good stuff. And so it's worth pursuing, right? And even if initially it's not passive, right? And passive doesn't happen right away it most doesn't. times, right? Passive is something that's earned over time and you can get there, but it takes time, right? And But it's worth the time investment. It's worth the effort investment, not just for yourself and for your family, but, you know, again, it gives you that space and that freedom to figure out and think through like what you can do for other people too. And that ripple effect is, it's real. It's real. Yes. Getting to the point where you can even think, realistically think that this is something that you can spend your time doing. That has been very exciting because I feel like (laughs) all your life, you have these good intentions that you can't really act on because you don't have enough time. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough whatever. And and you can't really bring your intentions to life. But when you get to that point where those good intentions start to see the light of day, mm-hmm. that's where it's at. So appreciate you sharing that with us, Jordan. And people can get a hold of you at laundromatresource.com slash adventures. That's right. Slash adventures. <laughs> Just to point out, in case you're watching this, it's laundromat, not laundromat. So la- oh, no. that's okay. I, I misspell that. All right. Yeah, I, that's okay. Laun- that. I don't. You know, if you search it, you'll find it. A laundromat resource, we're all over the place. Just go to, you know, laundromatresource.com slash adventures. If you're looking for, looking for the good stuff, that's where the good stuff will be. Yes. Get yourself a tribe. Get some people who are doing it. Get yourself some multiple streams of income because that's where it's at. So thank you so much for sharing that, Jordan. It's great story. And I personally got a lot of out of it. And I feel like we're looking for more cash flow ourselves. So having to like crack that code. Yeah, it's brilliant to talk to people like you. So thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, it's an honor to be here and a double honor that you got up so early to do this with me. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, time zones, it's easier when you think it's later than it really is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Not that big of a sacrifice. Let's move in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving All you right. credit for it. Don't talk me out of it. There you go. Okay, fair. I got up really early for this, Jordan. I appreciate <laughs> You saw that. the sunrise. If you're watching the video, you saw the sunrise during the recording. <laughs> so, All right. Have a great day, everybody. And we will talk to you after the show where you can tell us all about your passive income adventure dreams. Thanks everyone for joining us today. I personally got so much value from talking to Jordan because I feel like one of the things that we have been transitioning over from wealth building investing, where we're just going after the highest yields possible over to things that are going to cash flow better. Once you've walked away from the nine to five, like both partners have walked away from the nine to five, getting that cash flow can be a real challenge because you're having to rethink what you invest in and you're having to rethink what money coming in looks like and budgeting and all of that. And so as we've gotten our heads wrapped around that, we're starting to look at much wider options of things that we can be investing in. We're not going to be buying a laundromat, but Jordan takes investors into cash flowing businesses. We're doing private lending through our fund at risecapitalinvestments.co, where you can jump in on our portal. We have some investments that are just great cash flow plays, and we have other investments that are more for equity and tax plays. And so it really depends on what your goals are. We're trying to bring you a full offering of things that can really meet your needs. And Jordan was great to stay after with me for probably another half an hour. We're talking about podcasting and efficiencies and podcasting and editing and promoting and social media. And I feel like sometimes that's the best value of what we do is I get an opportunity to ask lots of questions to the guest, the questions that I want to know and things that I'm struggling with or things that I'm working on and hopefully bring great content to you because I know a lot of you are struggling with the same issues. 
but also to be able to sometimes have a conversation before or afterwards that's providing a lot of value from just a business perspective or some personal issues. There are so many conversations that come out of this. And I find that if you reach out to the guests or to me after the show, we can have those type of conversations. And the point of doing these podcasts, the point of interviewing and the point of sharing all this information is so that we can connect and network. So be sure to reach out after the show at risecapitalinvestments.co. You can schedule a call if you're interested in investing. But if you want to be a little bit more hands-on, we also have riseclubcapital.com. We can jump into our free meetings every Monday night and just crunch deals. If you are into kind of nerding out on the numbers and you really want to get into the nitty gritty and you're okay with kind of being confused for a little while while you're figuring this whole thing out, we're just in there. It's like the war room where we're finding real investments that we want to invest in together as a group. And it's a great way to learn for free. And it will help you really find some clarity and some direction in your investing because you can find out if you like something or not without having to have a huge uh, commitment of time or money up front. So I'd love to have you in our club meeting on Monday nights or to schedule a call with us so that we can chat more about your passive income goals and be able to point you in whatever direction it is that you're needing to go so that you can achieve your own passive income lifestyle. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you on the next one.